Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good to see everyone. And uh, we have uh, some guests that came for the first, not the first time, but the first time on the front row. And, uh, you know, if you come late, sometimes you have to sit up in the front row. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But if you go to the ball game, you want to sit in the front row, don't you? All right. So, praise the Lord. Good seats. That way I can look at him, walk over and talk to him and everything. Praise his name. Amen. I'm so excited about today's message. I am so excited because I like preaching the word and I like finding revelation in the word and I like sharing it. And, and hopefully you'll be encouraged, strengthened, because we're getting ready for uh, Visitor Sunday next week. And uh, we have to get some visitors to come, first-time visitors. And I've been out there on the basketball court. I'm preaching my stuff. I'm talking to them about God. And I had the most interesting thing have happened. I had one guy, never had this happen to me before. He actually cursed God in my face and said, I, I hate God, and I don't want you to bring him up to me anymore. So you know what I thought in my mind? Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> He's mad at God. I don't know why, but I said, you know, you can have your opinion. That's okay. You know, I'm not going to, you know, trespass over your free will. And then he kind of calmed down. And I said, uh, yeah. He says, yeah, I don't, I don't want, like you forcing your, your, your God on me. I go, that's okay. I love you, brother. And ever since then, he's been real nice to me. You know, the ball goes out of bounds, and he runs, and he gets it, and he gives it to me real politely, you know. When I make a good play, he pats me on the back, you know. So I'm making some headway here. Not the way I wanted to do it, but by my love, they'll know us. They'll know we are his disciples. Amen? So let's pray for this uh, service today. Father, thank you for bringing us together today to hear your word, just to rejoice in you and to hear wonderful things, wonderful truths that you have provided for us to give us strength and encouragement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at a passage today uh, in Scripture to encourage us to be used of God to reach and teach others. It's found in Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4. And we want to look at the great Moses. You know, Moses, Moses, Moses. We think of him as the great man of God, the great leader that led the children of Israel out of Egypt. But he wasn't that great in the beginning. He was a little hesitant about doing what God had called him to do. Did you know that? In fact, when God appeared to him, guess what? He had five excuses why he couldn't go. He's talking to God, and he's getting, giving him five excuses. You know, I give my wife excuses, and, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, but it's not going to work on God, okay? I don't care what excuse you have. We're going to look at these excuses and find out what, uh, uh, how many of them relate to you and your excuses. You got any excuses? Oh, we got plenty of excuses. Praise God. <laughs> Okay, so uh, now Moses and the children, of, uh, the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt, and Moses was going to be called upon by God to deliver them. Now, Moses is a type of Christ to save us out of bondage, and uh, Egypt, Egypt is sin or things that keep you in bondage. Are you in bondage by anything? Everybody said no, no, yeah, you got some, got some bondages, right, some things holding you back, you know, movies, TV, sports, food. How about food? You know, I told my son, you know, I think, I'm, I think I'm a slave to my taste buds. I mean, I might be driving along, and all of a sudden, I got a, a craving for a meatball sandwich at Subway. I don't know what happened. 
where it came from, but all of a sudden the car just turns around, goes right over there, you know. Or another day I might be going and I want an Impossible Whopper from, from uh, Burger King, and it's like, I got to have it. I might be late for something, but I got to have it. You know? I'm a slave <laughs> to something, amen. So sometimes we're a slave to our own, you know, self-righteousness, our own pride. Don't talk to me that way. I don't know why you're talking to me that way, you know. Leave it aside. You know, like when that guy was cursing God and giving me a hard time. I didn't take it offensively because I know he wasn't cursing me. He wasn't mad at me. He was mad at God, right? He was rejecting God. So the children of Israel were in bondage. And so God himself came down in a burning bush. And let's look at it in verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. Now, right there, I like that, that phrase. I've seen, I seen uh, what they've been going through. I've heard their cry. Do you know when you cry, God hears you? The Bible says all of his tears, all of our tears are in a bottle. It says in Revelation, he, he sorrows with us. He says, I've seen their sorrow, for I know their sorrows, for I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Isn't that nice? He's coming down to help them. I was so... Uh, overjoyed with Sister Evangeline. She had to go get an MRI, and uh, she went to the hospital, and they said, oh, our MRI broke. Uh, you have to go to another hospital, and they may or may not take you, and it's a, about 30 miles away. So she called me, and she said, Pastor, uh, can you pray? I'm, I got to go to Kaiser, and I need to get an opening. I need to get somebody to have their heart open, their doors and heart open to me. I said, of course. And then she told me she was sleeping that night, and she, in a dream, she saw Jesus standing at her bed. I go, hey, if he's standing at your bed, he's going to go with you to the hospital. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Amen. So we prayed, Lord, give Evangeline favor. Open up the hearts of the people, Lord, that she can get in and have a quick results and quick testing in this. And so she called me about a half hour later. She said, you know, Pastor Chuck, you won't believe it. The time that it took me to get from the parking lot to the office desk was longer than the, the wait that I had to get in to get serviced for an MRI. It was like I was filling out the paperwork, and they called me, and I went in, and I got out. Now, I wish all prayers were that fast. Amen? But God hears your cry. He knows your sorrow, and he knows what you're going through, right? So he says in verse 8, so what, I have come down. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of uh, the Egyptians, to bring them up from the land to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, here's, here's the kicker. He goes, uh, come now, therefore, and I will send you. And if I was Moses, I'd say, wait a minute. You're coming down and you're, and you're sending me? I thought you were coming down. I thought you were going to do it. <laughs> Why me? Isn't that what he tells us now? I've come to save the nation, and he's going to use you. You talking to me? Yes, we're talking to you. <laughs> you are the ones that are going to be uh, used of God. See, God said, I heard their cry. And you know, many people here today cry out to the Lord for help. Did you know that? It might be silent. It might be like unheard. You could just sense it. You can just feel it. You know, they, they need help. And wherever you're at, uh, in their, uh, they may be entangled with sin, in sin. They may be hurting, lost in bondage. They may be confused with their own circumstances, don't know how to get out of them. 
I know my son told me, he said, when you were teaching me, son, Dad, in high school and in college, you showed me some things to get out of my situations, and my college students are still in them because they didn't know the Word of God and how to get out. But we have the truth. We know how to get people and tell people how to believe God to get out of their situations and their circumstances. So I'm at the market. Hallelujah. Another one of my uh, <laughs> breeding grounds. <laughs> and I said, one checker, uh, you know, as I was talking to her, I was sending her broadcasts that we have, talking to her about what we're doing at church, asking her if she knows the Lord, and she kind of knows the Lord, not, not real well. But she's, I, I was listening to the cry of her heart. She wants to work with kids, and she can't find a job. Now, that's pretty impossible, isn't it? There's a lot of teachers that need, you know, people to work uh, a lot of schools that need teachers to work with their kids. So then I said, you know, we're having a visitor Sunday this upcoming July 2nd, and you can win a free blanket if you come. She goes, I like blankets. I'll go, really? So I brought the blanket in, and I said, look at here. She goes, I like free blankets, too. <laughs> I go, praise the Lord, because I heard the cry of her heart. She needs to get out of that job. She's working 40 hours getting up early, doing a man's job, so to speak, and as far as, you know, manual labor. And, and she wants to, she has a, a cry in her heart to teach. So I said, come, my wife and I will show you the teacher's rooms here and to kind of whet her appetite, maybe to come and, and help the teachers and then get a portfolio or a resume and move on. Amen? So you have to hear what the cry of their heart is. And so sometimes we have to get close to God so that we can hear what the people have been crying out to. Moses was removed because he was on the backside of the mountain. He didn't know what was going on with the children of Israel. He didn't know they were suffering as much as they were. He didn't know they were in bondage and crying out. So there's a, you know, crying out. Do you ever cry out to the Lord? <laughs> yeah, I got an amen here, amen back there, over there. Yeah, a couple here. So let's talk about that because, you know, some minister said, you're not supposed to cry. But all throughout the scriptures, the men of God and the women of God cried out to the Lord. And it's not a boo-hoo cry. It's not like, oh, oh, come on. No, it's a cry of your heart to reach heaven. Some examples are, Moses cried out to God at the crossing of the Red Sea. I would too. You got an army coming against you. You got the Red Sea in front of you. And, you know, Lord, have mercy. And, 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 and you know what God said? Quit crying and stretch forth your rod, and I'll part the Red Sea. He wanted to use us, but he heard our cry. Moses cried out. Elijah cried out, and God revived a dead child. Jehoshaphat cried out, and God delivered him from his enemies. Hezekiah cried out, and God gave him victory over his enemies. Isaiah cried, and the Lord turned back the shadow of the sun for, from 10 degrees Nehemiah and the elders cried out from deliverance from their enemies. David cried out from the hand of Saul. Job cried out for healing in his body. Jonah cried out in the, whale, uh, the belly of the fish. I would cry out too, wouldn't you? Can, you, can anybody hear me out there? Praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, they said when, when Jonah got spit out, he had seaweed all over him, and he had all the digestive juices of, of that big fish. And he repented in there. He said, okay, Lord, I'll do your will. Okay. The Canaanite woman cried out to Jesus to heal her daughter. A father cried out to Jesus to heal his son. 
Peter cried with a loud voice when he was sinking, Jesus, help, save me, right? Wouldn't you cry out when you're sinking? Are you sinking now? Are you having some situations where you're sinking and you're crying out, Lord, help me? Even Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, right? And perhaps the most famous cry of all, can anybody name it? The most famous crier in the Bible that we all know was, I wish Cecilia was here, <laughs> blind Bartimaeus. Remember blind Bartimaeus? Oh, yeah, okay. Blind, <laughs> let's go, uh, let's go to that. Verse 46, Mark 10, 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho, uh, let's go, uh, Mark 10, verse 46. And they came, 46, is it there? You don't have it. I'll read it. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Now, blind Bartimaeus, what was his problem? Couldn't see. (laughs) Have you ever tried to, like, be blindfolded for a little bit? It's terrible. I used to teach blind kids for about two and a half years, and I admire them for what they do. They keep going, and they just live life not being able to see. But they all want to get healed. And blind Bartimaeus wanted to get healed. And when he heard that Jesus was walking by, he cried with a loud voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what did the people in the crowd do? Say, son, it doesn't take all that. Hold your peace. Don't make so much noise. And he said to himself, you're not blind. This is my only chance. This is the only chance I have to capture and to get Jesus' attention. So I'm going to ask uh, Veronica to come up. (laughs) And let's reenact this. This is unrehearsed. And uh, holy Jesus, (laughs) you never know what's going to happen. So blind Bartimaeus, you're going to be blind Bartimaeus, okay? I'll be Jesus. I like being Jesus. Here. I'm going to walk by, and I want you to say what Bartimaeus said, okay? And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. I want you to reenact that. Billy, Jesus, say no. No. Just this part, just this part right here. (laughs) Says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, that's so pretty. Isn't that so nice? Okay, you can have a seat. Let me ask you, is that going to get it? No. This is a crowd, a multitude, a great number of people. And she's, but you know, see, it doesn't have to be loud nowadays because she's prayed before and the Lord healed her leg and she doesn't have a cane anymore. But in this case, now let me get someone that knows how to cry. Come over here. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, have mercy on me. 
That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, let me do it my way. <laughs> because I've been there, and you've been there. I mean, we've got a lot of crowd, crowd here. Some people are embarrassed to, like, let it all out. I'm not embarrassed. Because <laughs> I can remember one time uh, we were going to buy a house, and my father said, oh, son, I'll help you. You know, I'll help you with a down payment. I said, oh, praise the Lord. Fantastic. So we did all the arrangements. We found the house. We made all the arrangements. And, and then my dad has dementia at the time. So he forgot he promised us. So we're going through the paperwork and everything. I go, Dad, you know, remember we're going to have that down payment? He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I go, what do you, Dad, come on. You know, remember? He goes, no, I don't. I go, oh, Lord. So I figured, well, maybe it'll come to his remembrance. <laughs> so we get to the very last day. And they need the money. And I said, Dad, this is it. This is drop-dead day. We need the money. He goes, I'm sorry, son. I can't give it to you. And I, my heart dropped. I mean, I like, oh, my gosh. We had given notice on our rental property where we were renting. We didn't have a place to go. I didn't know where we were going to go. I got in my car, and I was driving around the streets of San Dimas going, Jesus, Jesus, help, Jesus. And my heart what from the depths of my heart, went up to heaven, and I cried unto the Lord. And then about 15 minutes later, my wife calls me. She says, oh, your dad said, come get the money. I said, are you kidding me? I said, God in heaven heard my cry. Now, you can't really fabricate that. It has to be a genuine, like, well, here, here's the characteristics of crying out. It's an act of desperation and total concentration. This action is a fervent expression of faith in God and trust in his goodness and power to act on your behalf. Crying out to God expresses the following traits. You ready for them? Let's see. Do you have them listed there? Praise the Lord. Genuine humility. Pride, if you think that you can do it all yourself, is not going to work. You have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, right? Unconditional surrender. When a situation becomes so desperate that only God can deliver you, all you can do is give yourself to God. Say, God, if you don't act, I don't know what I'm going to do. A plea for mercy, as Marianne was saying. Apart from Christ, we have no value that merits God's favor. But when we're driven to the point of despair or destruction, your unworthiness before God becomes evident, and you said, Lord, there's nothing that I have done to earn your favor, but I'm asking for it in mercy. Personal helplessness. You have to believe that in the hard issues of life, and even in the small issues of life, you have to believe God for every situation that you're facing. Amen? Faith in God's provision, his resources, and his power. You have to know that he has the ability to change situations in your behalf. And the desperation, crying out to God, is an admission of one's coming to the end of self and placing hope in God alone. The psalmist declared, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. The Bible says, if we... Call upon the Lord. He hears us, and we know if he hears us, he gives us the desires of our heart. And you might say, well, I've been crying out to the Lord. Yeah, I guess so. And, you know, we had that discussion in Bible study. 
how do you know if you have enough faith? How do you know when you're actually reaching God? I don't know. You just keep doing it. And you just keep reaching into your heart and to petition him. I, I was, we were talking about with Maggie when I was bleeding for the cancer, lymphoma cancer. I was confessing, I'm healed by Jesus Christ. I command this lymphoma to be gone day and night, all day long. As long as I had breath, I was saying it. Maggie got so tired of me because we were uh, carpooling. After about a month, she said, are you not healed yet? I mean, like, come on, you're bothering me. I said, okay. But I was like blind Bartimaeus. I don't care. <laughs> I got to get this thing healed because um, they said if, if it didn't get healed naturally, they were going to have to take, you know, part of my uh, neck, and it was near my, my voice box. I'm going like, I need my voice. I can't have that problem. They said, well, probably we wouldn't cut it. I go, Prob I can't live on probably. Yeah. <laughs> I got to live on for sure. Amen. So let's look at some other uh, Psalms. Psalms 3, 4. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I like that, don't you? He can hear all the way up into heaven. Psalms 34, 17. This righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them from all their troubles. How many? All. All, A-L-L, all their troubles. You got troubles, I got troubles. <laughs> we all got troubles, right? Psalms 107, verse 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their, from their distresses. Psalms 56. Now, I like it's starting to get good here. Ready? You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. All the times that you've cried out, God hears them. He knows about them. Amen? I don't know how many cries it takes to, to collected to reach God, but I know that, when, that his word is true and that uh, you can count on it, you can believe on it. In the next scripture, it says, My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know. God is on my side. Some more things about crying, and then we're going to get to some evangelistic-type teaching here. So crying out is a prayer, not, not a method, not a formula. It's something that you do from your heart, only because you and God know each other, and you're crying out. He knows you. He knows what you need. It involves fervency, wholeheartedness. It's not just a routine. It's not resuscitation. It could be public, but it doesn't have to be public. It can be loud, but it doesn't have to be loud. But it just has to be from your heart. Now, here comes the interesting part, right? God said, I have come down because I've heard the cry of my people. Now, he told Moses, now you go and deliver them. You go to Pharaoh. Now, God could have easily just put his face through the clouds and gone, let my people go, couldn't he? But he uses people. If you've got, you know... To get saved, he could save the whole world if he just did something like that. But he uses us to talk to people, to see if they have faith, to believe in him. And so uh, here's the problem. Now Moses is on the backside of the mountain, 40 years, removed from working with God, working with the people of God, and he had five excuses. Count them, five. Let's look at them. How many five? Okay, here they are. Let's see if you have any of these. <laughs> Let's bring it on home, right? <laughs> I'm not good enough. I don't know all the answers. People won't believe me. 
I'm a terrible public speaker. Anybody but me. <laughs> like categories. I choose the category. <laughs> I'm not good enough. Why did he say that? He said that because he just he killed an Egyptian and he had to run away. He was the prince of Egypt, but he was embarrassed. And, and he thought, don't they know that I've been, I'm the deliverer that God has chosen? But he tried to do it in his own strength. Not, you can't do it in your own strength. You can't minister to people in your own strength. You have to let the Spirit of the Lord teach you and guide you and direct you and tell you what to say to people. So it's, but it's not your past that you're saying that you're so holy, you're so good. You know, these, these um, basketball players, they, they, the new guys, they have a tendency to curse when they miss a shot. And so I'm the pastor of the basketball team. So Muslim friends, my Jewish friends go, Pastor, can you talk to them? <laughs> so I just very gently touch them on the arm and say, we don't, we don't say those words here. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, didn't, I'll work on that. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> and then, but they know my past. They go, but he was a wild one <laughs> when he was younger. <laughs> they were talking about me. I was a wild one. I can relate to them, but that's why I'm not offended. But I just kind of, you know, like when you get on a horse and you want to, you know, get them to go the certain way. You know, like a runaway stagecoach, jump on the horse and you kind of guide them. I just kind of guide them. Okay, guys, you know, you can, you can clean up your mouth, you know. You can, you know. So now they know. They tell each other, the pastor's here, so don't, don't say that. <laughs> because just because you made some mistakes in life doesn't disqualify you from being used of God. God doesn't use perfect people but humble people. And Moses was considered the most humblest man in all the earth. God came down to him and said, I want to use you, Moses. And Moses said, I'm not good enough. He said, it's not about you. It's about me using you. Okay, well, then he has another excuse. I don't have all the answers. I don't even know who you are. Who should I say sent me? Tell him, I am who I am sent you. He goes, well, I don't know. What if they ask, what does that mean? Do you ever have that feeling where you don't have all the Bible answers? You can't witness to somebody. You can't tell them things because they might ask you something that you don't know. That's okay. You know what you know. You know your life has changed. You know that you have a joy of the Lord now. You share that with them. You tell them, I, don't, I, I was once a sinner, but now I'm saved. Now I, used to do, I don't do the things I used to do. You can rejoice in what you know in the Lord. You, you give you, your deposit to them. Amen? I, I can remember when I first got saved, I was trying to explain the Bible and how to get saved, and I had my Bible, and I was fumbling around with it, and I couldn't find the right scriptures, and I said, wait a minute, hold on, just wait a minute, okay, oh, no, it's not there, wait a minute, okay, and they waited, because they wanted to know the answer, they were hungry, they had to know how to get saved, but then other times, after I'd been around a little bit, I knew how to preach, I would preach to them, and I, this is a great message, you know, God's came to save you, and you're, you know, out of the, pull you out of the dust and mire and all the miry clay and all, all this preaching. And they just looked at me and go like, oh, it's not for me. I go, not for you? What are you talking about? That's the best message I ever gave. So it's not in your eloquence. It's not in what you know. It's the heart that you have towards them. You have to know that you want to save them. Praise God. Then people won't believe me. Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me. Well, that's a natural instinct, isn't it, if they don't believe you? You feel bad. You feel like, oh, you know, I put myself out there and I got rejected. I used to be a salesman, my wife too, and they always say you have to take seven rejections before you get a acceptance. 
seven. I, I don't think it's that much in the kingdom of God. But if they reject you, it's okay, you know? You did, you're planting the seed. It may be, we were talking to this one lady, and she said she went to a bank, and the banker was telling her about Jesus and gave her his Bible right from under the counter. said, here, you could read this. And she kept it at her house on her desk for seven years and never read it. And then one day she got into trouble. She said, hmm, I better read the Bible. She started reading the Bible. She got saved. She accepted the Lord, and now she's serving in church. But you never know what you've done. You don't know what the seed that you've planted in people. Amen? So uh, you have to know that even if people don't believe you right away, the seed that you've planted will produce some fruit. Fourth thing is, I'm a terrible public speaker. People say that. You say that by yourself. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know, I can't talk real good, you know. I, I'm not real eloquent. I don't know how to say the right things. Well, God said, well, I made your mouth, and I, <laughs> I can teach it how to speak. If you got in a situation where people needed help, and you started talking, and all of a sudden it's not you talking, but it's the Lord on the inside of you speaking to them, giving them words of encouragement and thoughts that you hadn't thought of, God's doing it. What did he tell his disciples? When they call you into the court, don't uh, plan on what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say when you get there. And I'm so, that's the excitement of, of witnessing and telling people about Jesus. You never know what God's going to speak through you. You know, our pastor used to preach sometimes, and he would say something really profound. And they would say, could you say that again, pastor? He goes, no, I, 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 it just came from the Lord. I don't know. I can't, it's not in my notes. I can't say it. Okay? <laughs> so, so let the Lord use you. Right? Don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will tell you. Okay, here's the, the last thing. <laughs> Verse 5. It says, uh, I'm not qualified. Just, let's see. In, in that list, that list of five excuses, Ashley, anybody but me, Lord. <laughs> he ran out of excuses. He didn't have a good excuse. God pinned him down. He said, you know what, how about just anybody else but me? Is that what we're saying? I know people need to get saved, but Lord, just use anybody else. I don't want to play, right? What's that old saying? Anybody could do it, but nobody did anything. Everybody believed that somebody was going to do it, but nobody did it. Are you the nobody that didn't do it? Try it. You'll like it. Even if you fail, that's okay. You know, we're going to go visit uh, some family members, and most of them are saved. Some of them are not. But we just keep talking about the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> we send them Christian T-shirts. We love on their kids. Now they're going to Christian uh, schools. And, and the one, one boy, they said, he's like Jesus. I mean, he's so kind. He's so compassionate. He's so loving. We don't know where he came from. So anyway, be encouraged. Your words will make something. So guess what God said after all these five excuses? Anybody but me. Let's see. I'm not good enough. I don't know all the answers. People won't believe me. I'm a terrible speaker. Just ask somebody else. Guess what God said? Okay, then, Moses, we'll just go and get somebody else, right? No. But he's, God, the Bible says he got angry. He got upset. He said, Moses, I've planned for you for this day, for this time. 
Go get Aaron. He'll speak for you. He'll translate for you. God had a purpose for him. And I can remember when I was uh, going to our, our first church, and God had prepared me to be able to believe him for finances. And when I went to the church, they were $130,000 in debt. But God had taught me how to believe God for finances. Even in the secular world, I got a company out of debt that was $120,000 in debt. And so when I, I was crying out to the Lord, Lord, I just want to work for you. I want to be in the ministry, Lord. And I cried, cried, cried. Finally, the Lord heard my cry, and the pastor called me in. He says, the Lord told me to make you in charge over the finances. Praise God. I went into the, into the books, and I looked at him, and I go, Oh, my Lord, you're 120. There was bills from all over the country. He did radio ads and all kinds of TV programs, magazines. I go like, you, you are. I said, Lord, how did you, why did you put me in this situation? He said, I prepared you for this. And he said, and, and when I didn't want to, you know, do it, he said, he, he got angry. He said, you asked me for a church. I, to, I gave you a church. What do you need to look around for? Okay, Lord. And in one year's time, we cleared the books. He used me. He's going to use you for wherever you are. He's prepared you, all the situations that you've faced in life. He's going to use them to minister to somebody else. Amen? So your test is your testimony. You know that your mess is your message. So God said, Moses, you are going to do this, whether you like it or not. <laughs> How would you like God to come and tell you that? Joe, you're going to do this, okay? Joe, you're going to act, okay? You're going to act whether you like it or not. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So what's, as I wrap up now, what's missing? We know God wants us to go into all the world and teach the gospel, right? We know that. Baptizing everyone in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have baptism coming up. What's the problem? Why aren't we moving? Why aren't we moving? Huh? No action. No what? Action. No action. Well, how do we get action? We have to get some compassion. We have to get some desire. Let's look at, if you can see this, in Matthew 9, 36 through 38. But when he saw the multitudes, Jesus was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered, 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 like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus had compassion. He saw the multitude and he said, I wish that I could get them all saved. That's what even um, Paul said. Let's look at this in, in uh, Romans 9. It says, I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying, my conscience also bearing my, me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continued grief in my heart. Why? Because I wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. He's saying, I would rather be separated from God and have my countrymen accept him so that they wouldn't go to hell. What kind of compassion and mercy is that? Do we have that? Or, or are we just so blasé and say, okay, well, if they all go to hell, well, that's not on me. It is on us. It is on us to reach out. Paul said, I cry. Moses said the same thing. He says, I wish that I would be blotted out from the Lamb's Book of Life if my countrymen could be saved. This is the 
compassion that we have to have for people, the love for people. If you knew how hell was, you wouldn't be, we wouldn't be so blasé about it. So let's look at this last scripture in uh, verse 37. He said to his disciples, after he said he was moved with compassion, he knew he couldn't get reach everybody, right? He said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's us. We're the laborers that they have been praying for. And you can pray, too, for laborers to come across people's hearts. If you, can't, if you have a loved one in another uh, uh, state, you can pray. You know, um, my last story, and we're going to pray. Uh, I told the story about this <clears throat> lady that was bleeding for her husband to get saved. And she had the chair out there for him. <laughs> All, every Sunday, she said, yeah, my... My husband's going to get saved. I've been talking to him about the Lord. And yes, yes, darling. And so this went on for about a year. And finally, he went to the barber shop. And he came back. And he said, hey, I just got saved at the barber shop. And she got mad. She said, I've been preaching to you for, an hour, for a year. And you go to the barber shop and get saved? But we had to consult her. <laughs> you planted the seed, and God got the harvest. Amen? So go out, plant seed, have compassion, weep for the lost, have it in your heart to reach others for Christ, and bring them to church on July 2nd. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together today to hear your words and know great things that you have for us. Father, use us in this world. Use us to reach those that are lost. Use us to reach out to people that need a family home to come closer to God, and to enjoy the fellowship that we have here at New Heart. We give you praise and glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen.